It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Good morning and welcome to Element FM and Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening in Toronto and Ottawa, 95.7 in Ottawa and 106.5 in Toronto. And of course, you can also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app if you have downloaded that app or if you haven't, you can do so and then type in. 95.7 95.7 ELMNTFM or 106.5 ELMNTFM and you can listen on your device of choice anywhere across the country. And also just as a reminder, if you've missed a show, uh, per- perhaps you're going to catch part of the show today, you want to listen to the rest of it, they do get posted on our website. You can go back anytime and listen to that at your leisure. So just be aware of that. Welcome to the show this morning. Our guest in the studio with this is Tabitha Bull. She's the current... Chief Operating Officer of the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. And she is here to tell us about not only the organization and some of the things it's involved with, but also a little bit of its history and a little bit about uh, Tabitha as well. And she is uh, Anishinaabe. She's from the Nipissing First Nation that's up around North Bay. Tabitha, welcome to the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. So you were just saying it's a little bit of a hop, skip, and a jump for you to walk over here this morning. So that was nice uh, nice for you to be able to get some fresh air and walk down. To That's the... right. A little drizzly, but it was a nice little walk over. So how long have you been involved with the organization? So I've actually just joined the organization as the COO at mm-hmm. the end of September. Okay. Uh, so about eight months. But prior to that, I was at the Independent Electricity System Operator, and we were a member of CCAB for uh, quite a few years. And what does that organization do? So they operate the power system. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was there, we were working on a number of renewable energy projects. So mm-hmm. working to both develop and influence policy to ensure that First Nations and Métis communities had an opportunity to partner on those yep. projects yep. or build them themselves. Right. Um, and then also working, uh, we have an, they had a number of programs on developing community energy plans mm-hmm. within First Nation communities um, and some of the work on connecting the remote communities to transmission as that, well. That kind of thing, renewable energy, is, is pretty big these days. Lots of partnerships going on, I understand, with that kind of thing. It is. Actually, in uh, Ontario, by the end of the policies around procurement, we mm. there were more than half of the First Nation communities were partnered or owned a renewable energy project. So it's pretty exciting. It took... It did take some time to develop the policy mm. and ensure that we were changing the policy to so that it would work on First Nation mm-hmm. land because mm-hmm. there are, you know, in the Indian Act, a number of yeah. barriers for that. Sure. Um, yes. But we eventually got to the yeah. point where uh, we saw a number of successful projects, and and it's really a large economic uh, yeah. input into the com- corp- into all of those communities, yeah. which is great. With, of course, benefits to uh, to everyone because of the renewable energy source. Now, the other thing is, is, as you mentioned, there are, it's not just, I imagine, the the physical footprint of communities that have places that can that can house uh, renewable energy. It's also traditional territories that people have uh, that that some projects would fall into. Is that correct? Yes, and uh, there were some, you know, policies around ensuring that communities had an opportunity to partner, that mm. communities were supporting those projects. Right. Um, you know, on First Nation land, it's a little more difficult because under the Indian Act, the First Nation doesn't have the permission to determine what happens with that land mm. unless they have a Land Management Act. So mm. they would have to go through a process right. with the federal government for permission, which right. takes a lot of time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Corporate Canada and these potential partners weren't really willing to... Yeah, and of Take course, the time. more government uh, agencies that get involved, the longer it takes. Yes, definitely. 
<laughs> okay, great. Well, thanks for that little bit of background. So um, uh, you've been involved, since, as you said, since September with the organization. Tell us about um, the organization itself. Um, you know, what does uh, the, the council do in terms of business, Aboriginal business, Indigenous business? So CCAB originally was um, started a little close to 35 years ago by a number of, of corporate Canada. Mm. Uh, so Murray Koffler who was the founder of Shoppers right. Drug Mart and, and a number of influential Paul Martin um, people right. who really said, like, what what are we doing for Aboriginal business and mm. how can we do better to make right. connections? So um, originally it was really about making those connections between mm-hmm. Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal businesses. Yep. Um, today, we've come a long way. We have a number of different programs and opportunities um, to grow Aboriginal business and to ensure that we're making connections and partnerships and really to, to grow the Indigenous economy in yeah. general. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of those programs, we have a program called Progressive Aboriginal Relations, which is a program that a business can go through. Uh, it really walks you through the process of looking at what is your corporation doing with Indigenous business and Indigenous communities and, and what more can you be doing? It looks at uh, employment um, how are you mentoring uh, Indigenous employees within your corporation? Mm. Mm. It also looks at procurement. So, mm. so what are you doing in your supply chain to ensure right. that you're buying from Aboriginal businesses? Sure. And what can you do right. more? Yes. Um, community relations as well. So specifically for uh, companies in the energy sector who are working directly and impacting traditional territories and traditional mm. rights. Mm. Um, but then also community relations from a perspective of you know, what are we doing for community picnics and, you know, just learning and right. then um, education and awareness of staff right. within right. the organization. I'm glad you said that because that's what I was thinking of when you said, uh, you, you know, um, trying to get these, uh, how, how to get businesses working together. And I thought, well, it sounds like there's a lot of uh, of education and learning that would that would need to take part on both sides yes. to bring to bring these things together to make them work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it really, you know, through the PAR program, um, it really needs a commitment of the executive level team and a commitment across your whole corporation. Mm. You know, from uh, it's very difficult to be the one person championing championing the work that you want to do within an organization unless you have all across the board. And and that really happens through education Mm. and building awareness. There are a lot of Canadians, and I know this show is definitely helping that. Mm. There's a lot of Canadians that don't, don't understand what the background is and what yeah. the barriers are right. and and why the indigenous economy hasn't moved as far as it should be right. today. So, yeah. Um, yeah, education awareness is one of those big things. So can you give me an example, if possible, of let's say a, 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 an organization comes to you, a non-indigenous organization, and they say, hey, you know, we'd really like to start moving in this area, start to partner with indigenous business and things. And, you know... And again, not to deter because it's an education, right? Mm-hmm. There is a process that would have to take place. What would you say the timeline is or what would you say, as you said, you know, everybody has to get involved from top down to make this this work efficiently and probably so that everyone is informed so steps aren't missed uh, and that there's an understanding on uh, going on. Um, how, what would you say? That, can you give us an example of that process? Just briefly. Yeah. So the uh, corporation, you know, some corporations come and they're already doing great work Mm -hmm. with with communities and with indigenous businesses. So through the PAR process, uh, first is a commitment process, which Mm. can take up to three years. Okay. Um, The first year would be assessing where you are and looking at what the possibilities are within your organization, Mm -hmm. Um, coming up with a commitment statement. The second year, starting to try, starting to implement some of those, and mm. then the third year would be things are really implemented, and you're starting to really move on leadership actions. And then in the fourth year, 
the corporation goes through a third-party adjudication process um, where the juror will um, interview the communities of interest that, mm. to make sure that what the company is saying they're mm. doing with the communities is right. actually happening. Sure. And then uh, they would be certified at a level of gold, silver, or bronze. Right. So we have about 90, a little over 90 corporations that mm-hmm. are currently certified or going through the commitment process. And we have a close to 200 that uh, we've trained on the pro- on the program and are interested in getting involved. Mm. So we're seeing a really high uptake. Mm. Um, but that's not the only program, really, that communities can do. Right. I mean, we also have a number of uh, networking events where we're really trying to bring these communities together. Yeah. Um, and then through uh, procurement supply mm. change, which is a new program that we launched last year, it's an opportunity for uh, corporations, indigenous or non, to say I'm committed to increasing the procurement in my supply chain from Aboriginal businesses. Mm. Uh, we have a marketplace that's actually uh, supported by Tealbook. It's kind of a, a platform where a, a corporation can put an RFP onto that platform. Mm. All of our certified Aboriginal businesses are on that platform. Right. And... Um, they can look at RFPs that are out there, but it's also a connection tool that those larger corporations have a procurement person that certified Aboriginal businesses can contact directly. So you're not having to cold call or try to find right. someone. Those corporations have appointed someone that that's mm-hmm. you know knows what yep. they're doing yep. and knows the company's uh, commitment to that. So that's something that companies can get started in right away, and it's really yep. an opportunity just to to make connections right away as yep. they're going through the PAR uh, program. Yeah. Now, um, that sounds like the non-Indigenous side. What about Indigenous businesses coming to you as well and wanting to get involved? Is it a similar process or do you find different questions come to you from the, the, the Indigenous side or, or, or you know, mm-hmm. how, how does it work that way? So some, some um, Indigenous businesses come to us as, as to become a member. Yep. Um, so I, I should say that we are a member membership organization. Yes. Um, we have about 710 members currently, which mm-hmm. is a really significant growth. Uh, last At the beginning of 2018, we had 524. So we're growing 20, 524. But what year was that? At the beginning of last year. Okay. Yeah. So we're mm-hmm. growing, you know, 25% a year, which mm-hmm. is, is quite significant. Yep. Um, so Aboriginal businesses as well would come to look for opportunities to partner, to be able to make connections, mm-hmm. uh, especially to get into supply chains yep. of larger corporations. Yes. Uh, but we also have a, a suite of tools called Tools for Aboriginal Business that are on our website Okay. Um, that look at helping build a business case, a financial statement. Um, and those tools are supported by a lot of, a lot of our members, actually. Mm. Uh, and then we'll have different webinars about as well about business insurance. or So that's a suite of tools that we're continuing to build. Yes. Um, and then we have networking events around those as well where businesses can make those connections. Right. I was going to ask you about those uh, network connections. Um, uh, roughly in a year, how many how many times would you say you, you have uh, sort of events that take place where you can get physically people get together and those kind of things? So we have three galas a year, mm-hmm. one in Toronto, one in Calgary, and one in Vancouver. Okay. Um, and those galas are, are a celebration. There's an award at each gala um, mm. in Toronto. And I think they were on, on the show actually uh, back in January is a Lifetime Achievement Award for an Indigenous Business Person mm-hmm. and a Youth Entrepreneurship Award. Mm-hmm. And then in Calgary, we have an award for Aboriginal Economic Development Corporations. And then in Vancouver, we have an award for Aboriginal Relations, which is open to all Canadians. So mm-hmm. someone who's really sh- demonstrated a commitment to building Aboriginal and the Indigenous economy. Um, then we also have a conference every year in Calgary, which is our Aboriginal Economic Development Conference. And 
We've just actually announced that we will be partnering with Forward Summit this right. year. Yes. So Forward Summit had a yeah. yeah. So Forward Summit had a, a large, um, very successful conference that we supported uh, last year as well in mm-hmm. Calgary, and um, bringing together the same that we're always trying to do: so Aboriginal economic development companies, Aboriginal communities, and uh, corporations as well to build this Indigenous economy that we're all working towards. Um, so we've we've determined that we're going to partner with them mm-hmm. more exclusively on that uh, event in Calgary, and uh, we'll be bringing our Calgary Gala to that event as well. So um, at the last event, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about how many how many uh, organizations and things got brought together with that? Because I think it, it, you know it sounded like a very successful event. Mm-hmm. So it was a. I think the event had over 400 Indigenous communities there and hundreds of organizations together. Mm-hmm. And it was two days over a course of two days. Mm-hmm. Um, also really, uh, which was a bit unique that we d- we haven't had, was um, kind of a marketplace where okay. a lot of the ar- Aboriginal businesses could be, um, have a booth where they could talk about the work mm-hmm. that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And connections are always made so much better over those type of conversations. Yeah. So yep. that was very successful. Yeah face-to-face kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned certification and, and what a business needs to go through to become certified. And it certainly sounds like there's there's effort needed to do that. And as you said, it goes over a period of about four years. But at the end of that time, it sounds like when a business does get certified and does uh, complete that, that there is a reward. There's a reward for that company, not only for completing that and, and going through that process um, with with you, but uh, I would say that they've learned a lot. They they open up brand new doors for themselves. And and what would you say the benefit is of certification outside of your organization for that company? So it's PAR certification is actually getting quite widely known across mm. the country and with the communities as well. So there was a community um, uh, out west that had an RFP out for a community a community infrastructure mm-hmm. plan. And in their RFP, they had, are you PAR certified as a question? Mm. And that provided uh, for priority points. And, and Bird Construction right. uh, told us this, and they're, they are one of our PAR certified companies. Yeah. Uh, so we're really trying to, uh, this year, focus on working more with communities so that they understand what PAR certification means yeah. and the hard work that's gone into sure. it. So. You know, when a when a company that's PAR certified goes to a community, they have some understanding of what this mm-hmm. company's gone through yeah. and, and that it is a third-party verification, which yes. is a little different than some of the other programs yeah. that are out there. Yeah. The other thing that's been really interesting to me since starting this, um, you know, we get asked to speak at a lot of events. Mm. And uh, I was asked to speak in December at a SHARE Religious Investors Conference. Mm. And originally I thought, what? Why am I being asked to speak at this? Mm. Um and it's because people want to invest in companies that are doing good work. Ah. And, you know, we talk a lot about economic reconciliation and mm-hmm. that this is a way for corporations to get involved in reconciliation right. with Indigenous people. Right. Um, and churches especially are, are saying, what more can we do for reconciliation? Mm. And they're saying, if I see a company that's PAR certified, I know that that's a good company to invest in. Right. Not unlike green investments yep. or... Yep. Um, so it really... Outside of our organization, that's something that's really becoming mm-hmm. stronger. The The other really key thing that's uh, exciting is, so Bruce Power is also one of our gold certified oh, yeah, corporations. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're now requiring that organizations within their mm. uh, supply chain mm-hmm. go through the PAR certification right. as well. So I think that's where we're really going to see movement yeah. when large corporations and, and governments say, in our procurement, you need to demonstrate that you've gone through this PAR process, that you understand and you're committed to working with Indigenous people. That's where we're really going to get traction and education built. Mm. 
Mm. Well, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now I'm, I'm getting a sense maybe there's somebody out there right now going, hey, I'd like to get it, I'd like to maybe check this out. So uh, if people want to find out more, they can go to your website. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that CCAB? Yes, www.ccab.com. Yep. And uh, there's membership applications on there. Mm-hmm. All of our contact information is on yep. there. And our membership team is is excellent. I mean, all of our staff is excellent. Yeah. I, will, I will say everybody is so committed to this work and really sees the benefit, which mm. is, has been incredible for me for joining since right. September. Um, but our membership team is very quick at ensuring that we can answer questions. And and our PAR uh, team will also do a, a webinar or our conference call to just to train on the PAR program so that companies understand what it is before they make that commitment. Mm. Um, now, the other thing you mentioned earlier is that you are a membership organization. Mm-hmm. And you have about 700 members at this point in time, and that's increased by about 200, I guess it is, from, yeah. what, a year ago? Yeah. Yeah, so that's great. And, yeah. you know, I'm wondering one thing. One one is um, I'd like to talk a little bit about membership. And also, uh, do you think, and you mentioned this, is t- this t- as well in terms of reconciliation, do you think the truth and reconciliation has had somewhat of an effect on that since, you know, Awareness building. And yeah, those kind of things. I definitely do. I, you know, the truth and reconciliation calls to action. Uh, TRC mm-hmm. num- number 92 specifically speaks to corporate Canada. Mm-hmm. And so corporate Canada being a part of reconciliation in this country. Uh, it talks to adopting the United Nations Declaration mm-hmm. of Rights of Indigenous People. Mm-hmm. And it also talks about education and awareness. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the work that we do is tied to TRC 92. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I do think that that's a big part of of why Corporate Canada and why our membership is growing mm-hmm. significantly. Mm-hmm. I also think, you, you know, we see a really significant growth in Indigenous businesses. So between 2011 and 2016, uh, there was a staggering growth rate of 38% oh. of Indigenous businesses in Canada. That number was around 42,000 in 2016, and now mm. we're seeing it close to 60,000. Right. So part of the, I think part of that is Indigenous people... Uh, are the largest growing population yeah. in Canada. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of youth and yeah. a lot of um, really yeah. talented youth with great ideas. And, yeah. you know, Indigenous people have always been entrepreneurs and yes. we've always been business people since yeah. before contact. Absolutely. So it's really part of our nature. So yeah. um, that's part of it too. We're really mm. seeing a large growth in Indigenous business and the opportunity and and corporate Canada. And I think, you know, people in general, There, I think everybody has a good intention to try to understand how they can be part of reconciliation. Mm. It's not always easy to ask the question. You have to be pretty brave to to ask those questions. And you know, CCB is trying to make that an easier conversation for Corporate Canada as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's been exciting to see the amount of growth and the commitment. Now, a couple of things come to mind when you mention that. One is um, you mentioned entrepreneurship and, and entrepreneurs, Indigenous entrepreneurs, and, and, and of course that that stands out, I think, and we see that a lot. So my question is, in terms of when you say this increase in, in Indigenous businesses, can you break that down a little bit more in terms of the size or the or the kind of businesses that you see are coming forward? Are they are they self-proprietorships? Are they are they larger than that? So what kind of things are, and, and maybe even the kind of uh, uh, businesses that you are see coming forward? Uh, it's, it's really in the majority are small to mm-hmm. medium enterprise businesses. Yep. We do have some um, some larger Aboriginal businesses that mm-hmm. are doing great work and, yep. and are growing quickly, but it, the majority would be small to medium enterprise, yeah. a lot of sole proprietorships. and mm-hmm. um, But they're really across the board, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, I did a talk recently in the energy sector, and there is mm-hmm. quite a high uh, number of businesses that are 
in the energy sector in some way. So maybe yeah. it'd be construction or mm. renewable energy mm. or consulting. Um, I think part of that is is also that's where the business has been yeah. more recently. Yeah. So, you know, the business grows where the opportunity yes. is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have some amazing for across the board. So design, mm. catering, mm. a lot of oh, yeah. indigenous awareness consultants as right. well that yes. companies can use. Yep. Um, and I think that's part of what we're saying in the supply chain is uh, – it doesn't have to be a large RFP. You know, if you're doing yeah. an event, yeah. you can hire an indigenous caterer or right. you can hire an indigenous design person mm-hmm. to do a marketing flyer or events something. Planner. Events planner. Yeah. yeah, there's lots of small opportunities. You know, we try in all that we're doing to um, use our own Aboriginal businesses that mm-hmm. are members of our organization. Yep. Um, so our coffee is uh, right. provided by an Aboriginal business that 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 does Birch Bar, co- Birch Bar Coffee, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. That's the coffee we drink in the office. Our business cards are done by an Aboriginal business. You know, we're we trying to do all of mm. our business and our supply yeah. chain with Aboriginal yeah. business. There's lots of opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, okay, so um, membership. Uh, there's there's I guess different kinds of membership. So membership is based on the size of your organization. Okay. Um, so Aboriginal business members um, is a little bit different, uh, but for non-Aboriginal uh, businesses, it's based on the size of your organization, okay. so the number of employees. Right. Can I hold, get mm-hmm. you to hold us there? I just mm-hmm. noticed at our time, we do have to take a pause. Okay. So let's uh, take our pause, come back and pick that up, shall we? Great, yeah. You're listening to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and we are talking with Tabitha Bull right here on Moment of Truth. She is with the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business, the Chief Operating Officer. We're going to take this pause and come right back. Don't go away. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening in Toronto and Ottawa, and of course, anywhere across the country, if you've downloaded the Radio Player Canada app. And if you do so, and just type in 95.7 ELMNTFM or 106.5 ELMNTFM and listen on your device of choice right across the country. Our guest this morning is Tabith Bull. She is here with me in the studio. She's the Chief Operating Officer of the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. And we were just talking about membership in the organization. And uh, Tabitha was just starting to tell us a little bit about the different levels that uh, that people can get involved with, depending on the size of your organization. Yeah. So as I was saying, the um, there's different levels. So we have a patron membership, which is, is not so much determined on level, but it is more larger corporations. And those are companies that are really making a commitment uh, financially to to both to CCAB and mm. that we can continue with our programs um, through and also through the galas and the other events. They help to support that as mm. well. Um, and then we have membership based on the size of your organization. So um, if you are, you know, it goes from $2,500 um, up to $25,000 for the patron membership. Um, and uh, then we have some a small and medium enterprise and nonprofit membership as mm-hmm. well that's a okay. little more affordable that we've yep. just introduced. And then we have different members for Aboriginal businesses. Uh, it's three hundred and fifty dollars mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. So that you know, it's not. It's interesting because when we talk to new members and potential members, and if you're under a thousand people, it's twenty five hundred dollars, and people right. are like, oh, I that's I can do that. That's mm-hmm. not you know significant right. for them, and it yeah. does provide a significant amount of opportunity if if the corporation's yeah. really to really dig in and, yeah. and get to work. So, so when you say that, if it's a twenty five hundred member, twenty five hundred staff, twenty five hundred dollars. If you have less than a thousand, okay. Sorry, got the numbers mixed up there. Yeah. Um, So then they go great. So now, what are the immediate benefits of that 
membership for that organization. So immediately you're, you know, on our website as a CCAB oh, right. member, mm-hmm. which yep. really brings some recognition that you're you're mm-hmm. looking to work towards building relationships yep. and partnering. Um, and then, you know, immediately to invitations to the TFAB events, uh, to the networking events, and then also um, other other webinars that we will put on for progressive Aboriginal relations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a discounted price to any of our events as well. So it would bring you that. And right. Then, yeah. Now, the other thing I would like to know is, can you give me an example of, we've been talking a lot about partnerships and we're about getting businesses together. Can you give me an example of maybe one or two of those that have, have happened in the past that have established and, and, and shown some great partnerships that have grown out of that? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I can talk about Suncor a little bit. So okay. uh, Suncor has, is a, a Par Gold certified member mm-hmm. and uh, Mark Little, who's was their COO and now has just moved into the CEO position. Okay. I was originally a co-chair on this procurement campaign that we just launched last year. Um, now we're moving on and our new co-chair will be someone from CN Rail. Mm-hmm. And they're a co-chair with JP, our CEO. Uh, so Suncor has made a commitment to ensure that their supply chain has 5% procurement from Indigenous businesses. And they spend about $15 billion a year. Mm. So at the end of 2017, um, they were at $525 million wow. uh, spent with mm. Aboriginal businesses mm. in their yeah. area. Yeah. And in uh, 2018, those numbers were higher, and, and they're getting very close to that 5% target. Mm. The interesting thing, and to hear Mark Little speak about it, it's quite inspiring as well, because um, it's made a significant impact that you can really see on the uh, average income in mm. Fort Mackay First Nation, which right. is is the neighboring community right. to Suncor. Right. So their average income is over $70 an hour mm. compared to Alberta, which is a little over $40 an hour. Right. So he he speaks to say that he can see that that input yep. and that impact that it's having. And, you know, um, we were doing, doing some work speaking to the federal government on increasing their procurement. And he came along with us to, to encourage the federal government and to speak to them about you know, he's using certified Aboriginal businesses yeah. in the plant with sure. high temperature hydrogen. And these right. are risky situations and right. there's no more risk and no more cost to working with an Aboriginal business. It doesn't increase your bottom line, but the impact that it has mm. is so much more than it could be on, in his words, <laughs> it could be, you know, a golf membership for someone right. who works in a large corporation. <laughs> right. And, you know, it goes to building a senior's yeah. home or, right. you know, really impacts into the community. So, I think that's a really great example of of what we're seeing from just the supply chain perspective mm-hmm. and the employment as well. They have a lot of targets around employment. Um, I think some another interesting, just from a connection point of view, from Aboriginal business. So there's this uh, company called Origin, who's in Thunder Bay, and they're an Aboriginal business. Mm-hmm. Um, they have they use this technology that's a virtual reality technology. So okay. uh, and it's it's for employees, potential employees to understand if they want to work somewhere. Okay. So they'll go into a mine, for example, yeah. and take video of what it's like to go down the shaft and mm. go into the railway car. Mm. Um, and then if for potential employees can wear that VR machine and feel yeah. like, do I really want to work here? Right. So we uh, did a, a networking event last October um, with Ontario Power Generation and we brought a number of certified Aboriginal businesses there and non non aboriginal businesses just to network about what's the opportunity and how can we work together mm-hmm. and out of that event origin is now doing work with Bruce Power and Ontario Power Generation to to do these videos as well so that they can both 
it's both helping origin as a mm. business, mm. but also uh, providing opportunity for uh, Bruce Power and Ontario Power Generation to find Indigenous employees. So two like really exciting, exciting examples of how those partnerships can work. I mean that that's interesting because we're talking about business, but now we we you know you've you've gone into the the area of finding employees, mm-hmm. you know, which is a, another sh- offshoot of this, I guess, mm-hmm. which is, has has a further benefit. Yeah, it definitely does, and um, it's really it's really those connections, and then also you know you know employees knowing that that's a company that mm. you know respects their culture or maybe understands them a little more, and it's a right. place that they w- may want to work. Right. If um. I mean, we've talked about some of the things here. I'm just wondering, though, if somebody's somebody's thinking about this out there and going, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe, yeah. What would you say to them in terms of, of uh, hey, this is a reason why, you know, you might want to consider getting involved with this? So, you know, I've, d- I've done this work before outside of CCAB. Okay. And when I was doing First Nation Métis Relations at mm. ISO, uh, it's it's... It's hard to to be one person championing something right. within an organization or even yes. having a team of people or, okay. you know, we like ISO was quite committed to indigenous people. But mm-hmm. to have something like the PAR program that sets everything out for you and takes you along the steps, mm. it makes that so much easier. Sure. Um, it really brings the whole right. team together. Yes. Um, so sometimes it feels like a very large mountain to climb. Yeah. And I think sure. CCAB is really help, here to help right. bring your corporation along right. the way. Yeah. So I think that is something that, you know, there's a lot of tools that we offer yes. that can help you get through those steps yes. if this is something you believe in. Because yeah. it's not it's not an easy process right. to to change the mindset or yeah. to make a commitment to yeah. something. That makes perfect sense. Uh, what a what a, a great, uh, I think, idea to say, yeah, you're not going to be left on your own here. We're mm-hmm. not, you're not going to sign up and thanks a lot. We're, we're going to help yeah. you with this. Yeah, we're going to exactly. bring you through it. So wonderful. What are some of the other things you have, like awards? I see that you have, have awards. What's all that about? So we, yeah, so we have uh, four awards a year. Um, as I said, we have the Aboriginal Lifetime Achievement Award yep. um, and an Entrepreneurship Award. Yep. And then we have an Indigenous Women in Leadership Award as well, which uh, we're in the third year of having that. And that's usually handed out in April at an event. Mm-hmm. Um, and the awards are nom- open nominations. Okay. So we're currently reviewing nominations for the uh, Excellence in Aboriginal Relations. Okay. And my director of marketing might be upset if it's closed, but if there are someone <laughs> that people are thinking of out there, um, any Canadian, as well, right? that's right, there's always <laughs> extra as well. But any Canadian who you know has made a commitment to working mm. with Aboriginal communities and uh, Aboriginal business, um, and it, it's a an independent jury that reviews mm. the nominations, mm. and then the awards are presented at an at a event and. That's part of why I really got involved in CCAB. Mm. So uh, prior to to working here, I attended those galas mm. and saw the events, and they're very inspiring um, evening. Would you say that they're they're mostly for people that have made huge impacts, or can these be small impacts uh, that people get recognized for? So you know, we do look at like people who have really committed to this and mm. and have made a large impact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Youth Entrepreneurship Award, though, is about someone who's really showing a mm. showing a commitment and mm-hmm. is starting to build a great business. So, right. uh, and and we've seen those um, youth entrepreneurs go on to do amazing things. And mm. I think part of the real um, impact of that award is just the attention that it brings to their business. Mm-hmm. Um, they the youth also gets a ten thousand oh, nice. dollar um, as part of their award, but 
it's really the media attention that it yeah. brings. And so Nietzsche gear, as an example, people are familiar with that was mm-hmm. one of our past award winners mm-hmm. and um, Kendall Netmaker. I mean, they're now a member of his right. business, but he's also an amazing speaker that right. speaks quite a bit across right. the country. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I like to think that that award kind of moved that career forward. And right. I mean, he was always an amazing young man, but the media attention that it brings has been. Yes. Um, okay, so you do have a couple of other things that uh, that you wanted to uh, that we brought to our attention. Mm-hmm. You know, tying in sports. Yes, yes. Sports is very big these days, especially <laughs> with the finals of the uh, NBA's on and st- stuff with Toronto involved. But uh, you have uh, a couple of Hamilton teams that you've sort of signed up. Yeah. So um, you know, our membership it largely has been well. Originally, it was a lot more energy sector and mm. the major banks and. Yeah. Uh, we're starting to see, and part of that is TRC, uh, a real change and um, broader group mm. of, of membership. Uh, but we have really exciting to uh, announce that Hamilton Tiger Cats and Forge FC uh, were the first Canadian professional sports teams to join CCAB. And the Ticats have done great work already, uh, working with uh, U7 movement out of Mac University mm. last year. And the CFL is doing great things, too, about diversity. Mm. Um, so the Ticats, yeah, they've been doing great work, but they really want to start to look and doing more. What they can do for employment and how they can get more connected to communities. And, you know, I, I have two boys uh, who are really into sports mm. and uh, they play in the little NHL hockey oh, tournament oh, nice. every year <laughs> in March. And, you know, we live here in Toronto, but yeah. they play for Nipissing First Nation. And yeah. it's been um, the real way that they connect with the community, the real mm. way that they feel like they're part of our community. And mm. it's been great for them to meet friends because right. we don't live there. Yeah. Um, so I think sports is such a great connection mm-hmm. uh, with the youth, with particularly with Indigenous communities. They're very connected to sport. Mm. Uh, so I'm really excited about the Thai Cats. I think they're, they're doing great work with the youth already at mm-hmm. Six Nations. So mm-hmm. um, they will be this season uh, having tickets, which they did as well at the end. So Tiger Cats game day experiences with mm. the youth uh, from Six Nations and, and the neighboring Indigenous uh, or urban youth as well. Mm. Um, but they've also signed up to go through our PAR program, so to take their organization, which is actually quite small from an employee perspective, yeah, sure. um, through the PAR program, but to look at what other opportunities there are. Right. And, you know, some of the things just in talking to them originally when they were going to join is the employment opportunity uh, in the stadium for a game day. Like, how do we leverage uh, who they need to employ right. so so they don't operate the yeah. the catering there yes. at the stadium but uh-huh. they're connected to that so right. is there opportunity that we can you know build employment from the neighboring communities and uh, what other opportunities can we do so it's, it's you can tell i'm quite excited about it um yeah and and they're really looking forward to start moving really quickly so we're excited about that now, now it's not just uh, the Thai Cats; it's also Forge, Forge FC, right. which is which is the soccer side of things. That's right. So that's a new uh, a pre- Canadian Premier League mm. that's just launched this year. Um, they have a number of teams across yeah. across the country, yeah. and Forge FC is is the Hamilton team. Yeah. So they're they're also joining, and um, you know they did a land acknowledgement at the very beginning of their first game. Mm. So you know they they're really. Like I said, there's some corporations that come and they're already there. They're already in the mindset. It's just about how do we continue to help move forward and make more of an impact. And mm-hmm. I really think the Ticats are one of those organizations. So we're looking at you know, moving forward um, 
across, you know, all the CFL teams and, mm. and what can we do with MLSE here in Toronto and mm. Ottawa Senators as well, yeah. so, you know, so making sure that uh, we can we can bring this out to a, a larger audience, the work that we're doing. And ex- another exciting is um, NBA Canada has also just joined as a member. Oh. Uh, so they're they're a bit busy right now in the playoffs, right. Right. especially with the Raptors uh, <laughs> right. in the playoffs. So we're looking to discuss with them yeah. how we're going to move right. forward once the playoffs are over. There, there's another team that uh, that is in, in in another sport that you mentioned, Six Nations, and it ties directly into Six Nations, mm-hmm. which is uh, lacrosse. So mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, if the Ticats are going to have uh, you know uh, displays, uh, demonstrations of lacrosse at some point. You know, maybe uh, some of their games, those kind of things. But tying in, I mean, Toronto Rock is a yeah. you know an example of a, of a team that uh, ties directly back, to, as many people know or may not know that, uh, you know, lacrosse came out of the Six Nations community. Uh, it was uh, the creator's game. So, That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah my, um, my youngest just started picking up lacrosse again. So Toronto Rock is definitely on my list. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, we're going to uh, take another break, uh, but we will be back. So please stay tuned. Don't go away. You're listening to Moment of Truth on Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. Our guest this morning is uh, Tabitha Bull, and she is the Chief Operating Officer. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Moment of Truth on Element FM. You're listening in Toronto and Ottawa. And uh, we have our guest in the studio today, who is uh, Tabitha Bull. She is the Chief Operating Officer of the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. And just before the break, we were talking about sports and how uh, their newest members, I guess, uh, that they are very excited about. Uh, are the Toronto, uh, rather Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Forge FC, which is the uh, soccer side of things. Soccer is becoming uh, bigger and bigger, of course. We mentioned a little bit about lacrosse, of course, which is uh, has taken the world by storm as well and keeps growing. But um, and and uh, Tabitha is a sports mom. She has a couple of uh, young yeah. uh, boys that play, uh, as she mentioned, in uh, hockey and the little NHL. So that that's been going on for a long time as well. It has been um forty over forty years. Yeah, and, uh, it's a really incredible event. You know, this mm-hmm. year they had close to three hundred teams there, yeah. so it really takes over the week. And actually, next year, uh, Nipissing First Nation, my First Nation, will be the host. It oh, will nice. still be in Mississauga, but Nipissing mm-hmm. will be hosting. So that's it'll great. Be a busy week. <laughs> it sure will. So listen, Tabitha. Um, <laughs> In terms of the organization, we've talked about um, many things. We've talked about membership. We've talked about programs. We've talked about your awards. Uh, you also mentioned there that you're doing some research, mm-hmm. and you wanted to you wanted to talk about that a little. Yeah. Bit. So we uh, we have a fairly large research team, and that's a lot a lot of the work that we do, both to say you know what are the barriers around Aboriginal mm. business that we need to be looking at. And mm. that's really how our TFAB program, this Tools for Aboriginal Business program came to be okay. from our research. And, yeah. and same with the procurement marketplace. You know, that's all of the programs that we're doing are based and funded, founded on the research that we're doing okay. to understand how can we better bring uh, Aboriginal, non-Aboriginal businesses together. Yeah. So we just um, actually launched a report called Industry and Inclusion. And it was a Analysis of Indigenous Potential in Federal Supply Chains. So we looked at the federal spend that um, happened in 2017 and specifically looked at where exactly they spent all of their their, their procurement. Okay, yeah. And then looked at what are the Aboriginal businesses in Canada mm-hmm. and how, can, how much of that spend can Aboriginal businesses meet. Sure. And uh, 
we've we've set this target of five percent because that's realistic and and matching mm. the percentage of Indigenous people in Canada. Okay. So we've said, you know, if the federal government should be purchasing to the same amount and percentage of the number of Indigenous people. But our research mm. showed that uh, the Indigenous businesses in Canada actually have the capacity to supply 24% wow. of the goods and services that the federal government procured last year. Mm. Um, and not just, uh, you know, all across the board. There mm. were a couple, like very two areas where we couldn't quite meet the 5%, mm-hmm. but across the board, uh, we could be supplying 24%. And and the impact that that would have on the Indigenous economy you know, the federal government spends $14.6 billion in 2017. So if 5% of that went to uh, Indigenous businesses, uh, the impact that that could have, mm-hmm. you know, on the GDP of Canada in right. general. Like, right. There's a, you know, if, if you looked at, at the uh, United Nations, uh, where we where Canada sits on the the where we are at rank on living in Canada, mm. um, we've always been around seven to 10th in mm. order and mm. first nation people are around 63. So, yeah. you know, clo- how are we closing that gap? Right. Um, and that gap affects the GDP of Canada. Of course, yeah, it yeah. affects from employment and social mm. services. Mm. And so, you know, this is really a way of the federal government to not have to use tax dollars. It's money that they're already spending, mm-hmm. but to make an impact on indigenous communities. So, mm. um, and, and the, the, Research was actually uh, brought to us by the federal government. They really mm. wanted to understand mm. what is the potential. Right. Um, so, so we we recently just launched that. It's quite we're quite happy with those numbers, and we're really hoping that uh, we can not just the federal government, but all provinces and municipalities uh, will make a commitment to increasing their procurement. And the city of Saskatoon actually just uh, released an announcement that they've made a commitment to procure five percent of their procurement. So, mm. we are making an impact and. Mm. Uh, it's, you know, a lot of people, and I'm an engineer, so mm. numbers make sense, right? <laughs> and if we have the numbers behind what we're saying, yes. we, you know, the peop- some people are really going to listen to that. Of some course. people are doing it because yep. they're believing it in their heart, but some people really need those numbers. So yeah. the research is really important. Yes. Well, business is built on those numbers. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we will be launching a report on uh, National Indigenous Peoples Day as well, mm. June 24th, 21st, that uh, we did in partnership with Global Affairs Canada. Okay. And uh, I won't, I won't uh, give too much away, okay. but it it's about um, it's looking at indigenous small and medium enterprise and the export trade and mm. and uh, that they have or currently are involved in almost twenty five percent of that export mm. trade out of mm. Canada. So really looking at what the opportunities are. You know, in in terms of of um, speaking about not just numbers but business opportunities and and business itself. Uh, this comes to mind, and I don't know if it makes a, is having an impact, but businesses is changing in terms of opportunities. I think of the cannabis industry that has mm-hmm. really kind of really become legalized, mm-hmm. and of course that's opened up all kinds of opportunities. A lot of indigenous people or, or, or communities themselves are getting involved with this. Are you seeing an impact in that area or, or people talking about this or getting together? Yeah, definitely. And it's actually something very new to us because mm. um, we did we, – did not have uh, any members that were tobacco or alcohol. Yeah. That was a, a policy that was started yeah. at the very beginning. But, right. uh, you know, there is a real economic opportunity for mm. uh, medical marijuana mm-hmm. and in the cannabis industry. Yep. And and uh, First Nations and Indigenous people are, are really involved in that. So mm. we are really relooking at that policy and ensuring that we're not excluding anyone that, that could have a real economic impact. Right. Okay. 
Now, the other thing you mentioned was uh, an Indigenous women's... Uh, Yes. Um, so we also launched uh, this past month an Indigenous Women Entrepreneurship Fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was created uh, initially with a contribution from CIBC. Okay. And then um, some additional uh, contribution from an Indigenous Women in Leadership Summit, which had their first summit last year in October, or in Ottawa in October, and they'll be having uh, one in Vancouver. It I was... Uh, honored to be able to attend that event. It was really an exciting event and mm. really showed the the force of uh, Indigenous women. Yeah. Um, so uh, that fund provides microloan financing opportunities to Indigenous women entrepreneurs. And it also, uh, it's a, a microloan initiative um, who may not qualify for conventional financing. Mm. So okay. there are definite limitations on financing uh, that are part of the Indian Act on First Nation reserves. Right. Um, so this is an opportunity for a small finance loan that's really just an initial step. Yeah. Um, it's about 5000 a little less than $5,000. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and um, But it's really a streamlined loan application just to make it easier for small business owners to apply and to provide an opportunity just for them to start to build that business. And then, you know, they can go to our friends at NACA and AFIs and, and get further funding once mm. they have that initial step. But mm. We see a really large number of entrepreneurs uh, in, that are Indigenous women. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that research, there was some interesting research out of Alberta that said it's it's about the tide of the community, but also the tide of family. Mm-hmm. And um, women wanting to have that flexibility to be able to be with their family, but sure. they also want to build a business and have economic development and yeah. their own economic development. So right. we see a high a high percentage of Indigenous entrepreneurs that are women. Right. So this um, this fund is really targeted to that. Not surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, there was something when you said that that triggered, and of course now I've lost the... Uh, I, I guess the, the one thing that I wrote down here earlier when you were talking was the barriers of doing business with, with First Nations. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's someone out there going, well... Can you give me an example of what a barrier might be? Um, just so they have a, you know, I'm just wondering, they may not have a clue. Right. right. So. so from also from the research that we've done, uh, the three barriers that Indigenous businesses or Aboriginal businesses see are access to capital. Mm. And part of that is because because they don't own the land. Right. They don't have collateral yep. for financing. Yep. So, um, you know, even for a home, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, individuals don't own that land. So it's right. very difficult to get a mortgage. Yep. So. Financing um, and access to capital is is really a, a key barrier. That's yep. one of the biggest barriers that sure. they're saying. Um, and it's it's. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's something that many Canadians, non-Indigenous Canadians, mm-hmm. don't understand about uh, why what the limitations are that that Indigenous people have in terms of just like you said, getting a home, buying a car, or whatever it might be, because that collateral is not there for them. That's right. Yeah. So there are some some banks that have mm-hmm. you know come up with uh, solutions to that yes. and to provide mortgages, but also financing. Um, there are uh, what are called Aboriginal financial institutions mm-hmm. that, that will provide loans to uh, Indigenous businesses on yep. reserve. Yep. Um, but, and, and a lot of the banks, you know, many of them are our members are working towards how they can finance yes, and that's right, how they, they can work with these communities. Yep. Um, there's also a couple newer, um, Capital investment. So uh, Raven Capital actually uh, has just launched a new program, which is is about specifically about lending to Indigenous businesses. Mm. So they, you know, for people who are interested in in providing capital to those type of businesses, they're kind of the bridge between the community and the investor. Mm. Um, they're someone. They're an Indigenous-owned capital firm. So um, 
you know, they're, they're, they have that trust already with the communities. They're able to help the, the investors along. Um, but also importantly, they, they have a, an exit strategy that doesn't just fund right. the business and sure. then leave when they yes. make their money back. Right. You know, right. they work with the community. They build capacity. Mm-hmm. Yep. They have mentorship programs there as well around mm-hmm. that. So it's all about the whole circle of the project. Right. Um, so there, there are some, some new opportunities for investment and access to capital, but that's one of the major barriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other is access to skilled people. So mm-hmm. a lot of the, uh, the businesses, if they're on reserve or in northern communities, um, having the skilled people to be able to grow your business and right. build your business and stay within your community sure. is one of the other barriers that yes. uh, came up in the research. Right. I think from a partnership perspective, um, from what I've seen, seen in, in my experience in my previous role and here, um, part of it is speed. You really see that um, corporate Canada moves at a different speed yes. than a community. Yes, it right? does. And, and before you develop a, a project, you need to develop a partnership mm. and a relationship. Mm-hmm. And that is not built quickly right. by anybody. Right. You know, you don't most people don't marry somebody the day after they meet them, right? And right. and those partnerships are a long-term commitment and they yes. take time. Yeah. So to, to me, I think that uh, that's a key barrier that, yeah. you know, corporations aren't necessarily building the right amount of time or don't understand the amount of time it's going to take to build that trust and relationship and how important that is. Um, and then also a community makes decisions together, right. a lot of them. So you need to go out to your community and engage and ensure that they want to to have this opportunity or take this opportunity. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because it brings a couple of things to mind when you say building that relationship. Corporate Canada businesses, you're right, it's not just speed, it's understanding. It's that education we went back to at the beginning. They can't just go in expecting to do business the same way. They have to adjust for a number of things, whether it be culture, uh, whether it be uh, the approach that Indigenous people, because Indigenous people many times have a different approach of how they want to uh, develop something, how it needs to evolve. Yeah. And, and because of uh, cultural practices or just the view of the world, they want to approach it differently. And so that has, to, like you said, it has to come to terms. It has to be developed and it has to be understood from both sides. Right. I mean... You know, in Anishinaabe culture, we and and a lot of Indigenous cultures, we think about what the impact is on our seventh generation. Absolutely. So, what's the impact of my great times six grandchild of yeah. this decision? And that's I, right. you know, corporate Canada doesn't think that way. That's right. So that's something that people have. You yeah. know, we need to understand that that's how it's going to be. And I think, you know, the more and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the more, the more we all start to think about what the impact is <laughs> on our seventh generation. The better the planet is going to be, right? Thank so, you. yeah. So <laughs> it I goes do, right back yeah, to what we were talking right. about before we got on the air. That's so, right. So I uh, think that's a real that's a real connection, and there's yeah. a real benefit for those yeah. learnings. Yeah, and, and and you're right. It's a businesses now. Uh, you know, want to make the profit. They want to. They want that. And and the impacts are not necessarily thought about. Yeah. And that's something we all need to think about now. We can't do it the same way anymore. Uh, so thank you for bringing that up. The other thing I want to ask you about is. Um, it it sounds like a lot of what you do is urban based, you know, businesses in, in urban areas. Mm-hmm. But we have talked about communities. So, um, are you? I mean, you talk about businesses in communities around reserves. Are you are you reaching out more towards the communities or towards uh, a First Nation 
than just the, the indigenous or uh, based in, in urban areas? So we are we are doing um, more work with that. And last year, part of our research was actually our research team went out and visited 100 uh, communities across mm. the country okay. to learn about businesses within the community, right. um, but also about a- Aboriginal Economic Development Corporations. Mm. So these are corporations that are set up within a First Nation mm. for business. Right. Um, and we're working, you know, we have a number of Aboriginal Economic Development Corporations that are members mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So we're also working to, to understand what more can we do to make those connections right. to the community. But also, you know, I talked a little bit about this, but we are putting a, a real focus on teaching the communities about what the PAR program is mm. and what a company's gone through. So that will also be a way for us to build yeah. awareness. Yeah. Um, and we do... A lot of talks, so I'll be out actually in Saskatoon um, speaking with a number of, uh, with Chief Darcy Bear uh, and a number of other chiefs on the work that they're doing within their Aboriginal Development Corporations mm. uh, at a conference that they're hosting right. uh, with Saskatoon yeah. um, and a number of corporations and universities and politicians yeah. in Saskatchewan to talk about right. bridging that economic reconciliation gap. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um so uh, I'm just wondering now if people are out there listening and saying they want to get involved. We give a, we gave out the website, the ccab.ca. Dot com. Oh, sorry, dot com. Yeah. And um, I'm just wondering, that, though, also if someone wants to call, if they call the office, who would they speak to, you know, if they want to find out more information? So uh, I'll speak to Tash, who's our amazing receptionist. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, and she can direct, can direct them to yes. whichever department they're really interested in. Yep. So. You know, mostly membership will be the first the yep. first entry point. Uh-huh. But um, if they have specific questions about our events or uh, the PAR program mm. or what they can do about that, you know, what, how mm-hmm. they can help on mm-hmm. uh, TFAB. Yep. Just we had a just to talk a little bit about about new membership. So um, uh, Apple and Amazon Canada have both and come on as members as well. And nice. Um, so we're working with them to say, like, what tools can you provide for this mm. tools for Aboriginal business yeah. on our website? And how can they support uh, the Aboriginal businesses in Canada? Great. Mm-hmm. Exciting times. So listen, we have about a minute left. I'm just wondering if there's anything else you want to mention before we, we leave and finish our time here. Is there anything else we've missed? Um, I think just to just to wrap up to say that the opportunity is 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 really growing mm. and it's a really exciting time and you know we see a lot of things in the news with the report of the missing and murdered indigenous mm. women um on monday and you know we see a lot of the things in the news that uh seem to be that we're indigenous people are about trauma and the things that have happened but i think there's so much opportunity um and and we're not just that we're resilient people and we're growing businesses and uh, we have successful stories around the business and the opportunity that is there. And I think I'd just like to always end on that note that, yeah, there are barriers and um, we there are things in the Indian Act that, that make it more difficult mm-hmm. for business to happen. But mm-hmm. um, so many communities and indigenous businesses have found ways to overcome those. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a real opportunity to partner and success. I think uh, if I can just elaborate on that by you're your saying that uh, there there's that trauma that people have gone through as, as First Nation and we all hear about, as you mentioned, the murdered and, and missing Indigenous women and girls. But I, I think the, the other side of that, as you said, the resilience. And by going through these things, you learn. Mm-hmm. You learn from it. There's great benefits to uh, tap into from that. 
and that people could benefit from by, by hearing and learning from these people and getting involved with people that have that history mm -hmm. because uh, we're still here and we're not going away. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Tabitha, thank you so much for coming on the show today and being a part of us. Thank uh, you. Uh, we really appreciate you being here. Tabitha Bull, she is the Chief Operating Officer of the uh, Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. I also want to say nyawa miigwech wanishi and thank you to everyone who helps put Moment of Truth together. They include in Ottawa, Jill Kennedy, Aidan Wolf, and Caroline O'Neill. In Toronto, Janet Lamb, Andrew Johnson, Luca Capone, Kathy Zaboken, Bruce Barber, Andrew St. Germain. Nyawa miigwech and thanks for listening. This show was brought to you in part by APTN.